Cottywomble with the Shadow People is a narrative podcast about friendship, magic, mystery, and the divine feminine. This podcast sometimes deals with topics of a sensitive nature. This episode involves medical neglect, medical malpractice, and unwanted pregnancy. So listener discretion is advised. In a small green meadow, there is a big green house. In that big green house, there is a bright green jacket. In that bright green jacket, there is a green-thumbed woman wearing tall green boots. And those tall green boots help the green-thumbed woman to cottywomple with the shadow people. Episode 1. The Dirt Woman Buried Lilith was a dirt woman. Her hair was the color of copper clay and her eyes were amber. She lived in the chateau, a manor the color of grass in the summertime. The townspeople would come to her, often under the cover of night, though some of the braver ones would come when the sun was high and ask for her aid and assistance. They usually needed a child delivered or a tincture for what ailed them, but sometimes... They needed advice or just comfort. Talking to her soothed them, as if she were mud that they could just let themselves sink into. She was always more than happy to listen to the problems of those around her, even if she was already aware of the problems. You see, she had eyes and ears everywhere, for she was sand that could hide in every crevice of your life. The bravest among the denizens would come seeking to have a cup of tea with her, for they knew there was magic in the bottom of every cup. She could gaze at the bottom of your vessel and tell you exactly what you needed to know, as if she herself were the tea leaves left in the dregs. She was wise, warm, and cryptic. Lilith was every bit a dirt woman. But she had not always been the powerful matron and midwife of the chateau. Long before she had garnered her reputation, she had found herself coupled with a dirt man. She had met Adam in her botany class at the local community college. She had always planned on being a botanist or an herbalist, maybe even a healer or midwife. But once she met Adam, he convinced her that rather than tending to her potted plants, she could tend to him instead. Lilith and Adam were jigsaw puzzle pieces that fit together perfectly. But here's the funny thing about jigsaw puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles were all designed on the same template. Manufacturing companies reuse the same shape pieces for different puzzles, meaning that just because one piece may fit perfectly into one puzzle... That piece was not necessarily meant for that puzzle. Lilith and Adam did indeed fit perfectly together, but she did not match the rest of his puzzle. She was a patch of dark forest against his meticulously pruned roses. Regardless of their differences, 
Lilith did what she could to help Adam tend to his perfectly manicured garden, as well as his perfectly manicured life. Adam was a gardener, but that was just his hobby. He made his living as the town doctor. He loved helping the townspeople grow just as much as he loved helping his flowers grow. But it was more than just the love of tending to the needs of living things. He loved the control that his white coat and garden shears gave him. It was a control that he lacked in his relationship with Lilith. Lilith tried to stay at home, tried to tend to his garden when he was at work, but the garden never felt like home to her. No matter how many lilies she planted or how many patio chairs she bought, she tried to help him at his office by answering phones and just generally being available. However, her contrived helpfulness did nothing to quell the hatred of small stuffy spaces or her growing distrust of doctors. She knew her husband had an important job. What could be more important than a health care provider, she would ask herself. Well, she didn't so much ask rather than chastise herself. Every day she would watch people walk into his office. Children with broken bones would come in crying but leave with a plaster cast, a lollipop, and a smile. But grown-ups would enter with worried faces and leave with tight, forced smiles, looking no less worried than before. Women would enter polite and eager for care and leave dumbfounded and silenced. Those who danced on the line between man and woman would enter the waiting room but leave before even seeing the doctor. Aside from benefiting from an antibiotic or steroid, few seemed to really feel better after seeing Adam. Many of them just seemed worse. One lady, Miss Imogen, sat in the waiting room in a chair across from Lilith's desk. She had a withered tissue in her hand that she just kept twisting and twisting. She would coil it and uncoil it around one finger, twisting and twisting until it looked like a wispy little spider web. Lilith counted the pieces of paper that fell into her lap. She offered Miss Imogen some water to calm her nerves, but she politely refused. When Nurse Sandy called her back, Lilith prayed that she wouldn't come back like the others, tight-smiled and secretly disappointed. But she was not at all surprised when the slightly older than middle-aged woman emerged from the back room with eyes looking lost. When Lilith asked her if she was all right, Miss Imogen reiterated that the doctor believed her chest pains were the results of stress and that all she needed was a day off work and some lavender tea. It's funny, Miss Imogen said. I thought I was stressed because of the chest pains. And with that, she left. Miss Imogen died two days later of a heart attack. A little while after the funeral, a gentleman came to the facility complaining of chest pains, just as Miss Imogen had. Dr. Adam prescribed him medication to control his high blood pressure and walked him to the door laughing and chatting. That gentleman watched his granddaughter walk down the aisle six months later. The fate of Miss Imogen troubled Lilith. 
but she tried to push it out of her mind. She was old, Adam had said. Old people die. Adam was right. Old people die. Young people die, too. Every so often, young people would die very shortly after visiting Adam, particularly young women. But Lilith tried not to think about that. Adam is a good doctor, she thought to herself. But it would be silly to think that he could save everybody. He may not have saved Miss Imogen, but he had, had saved that gentleman. He may not have saved a few birthing mothers. Quite a few. But he did save their babies. Well, most of the babies. Lilith buried herself under incessant ringing phones. She buried herself under the appointments she would book for clients. She buried herself under errands and housework. She buried herself under smiles. She smiled and pushed the whispers of nagging concerns to the corners of her mind where she hoped they would collect dust. She buried herself behind the reception desk until the day a terrified-looking young woman wandered into the office. The young woman did not have an appointment, so Lilith handed her a patient form and watched as she shakily ticked the boxes and scribbled her information. The young woman could not have been more than eighteen. She nervously handed Lilith the clipboard without meeting her eyes. Nurse Sandy had already gone home for the day, so Adam called her back and took her patient forms, but not before Lilith took a glance at them. The girl had ticked the boxes for nausea, gastrointestinal problems, insomnia, and other. Under the other, she had written lady problems. A bit of an over-polite description, but the meaning was clear. The young woman was what a small town would describe as in trouble. To her credit, Lilith did her best not to listen in on the appointment. She knew that it would be an invasion of the woman's privacy, as well as a perversion of doctor-patient confidentiality. So she sat quietly and resolved to not listen in. She sat very quietly, so as not to make a sound. She barely touched her pen to her paperwork, so that the sound of scribbles would not fill the room. She didn't breathe. Eventually, the muffled sound of sobs invaded the silent reception area. He left! Lilith passively heard the young woman say on the other side of the door. I told him what happened. He said he, he would come back, but I haven't heard from him in, in two months. My father's going to kill me. I don't know what to do. Lilith heard Adam kindly offer her the standard options. He offered her prenatal care and mentioned the orphanage on the west side of town. The young woman was silent. She whispered a question so low that not even Lilith's less-than-passive hearing could understand it. But she knew that the woman was inquiring about a third option. There was a sound of a forced cough from the other side of the door. It sounded like a judge who was disappointed with the outcome of a case had just cleared his throat. Gone was Adam's genteel bedside manner, he used a cold and clinical voice to tell her that they did not offer those services at his office and that the closest clinic was two towns over. 
She asked him how much a procedure would cost. Lilith did not hear the answer, but it must have been more than the young woman was expecting, because the sobs grew louder. Adam shushed her gently yet firmly. Lilith then heard the sharp hisses of whispers, but could not make out the words. She thought she heard a small voice squeak out a, Thank you, but was not sure. She tried not to act startled when they walked through the door, but could not stop the little gasp that jumped out of her mouth. Adam walked the young woman to the door and told her to come back at the end of the week. He waved her off with a tight smile that did not reach his eyes. As soon as she was down the street and out of sight, his smile dropped in a look of disgust. Lilith inquired if he was all right. He did not answer. He just turned his mean look on her and walked back to his office and slammed the door. Adam had just shown her a side of himself that she had never seen before. Maybe it had always been there and she had just never saw it. Maybe it had always been there and she just refused to see it. Seeing the complete and utter disdain on his face, coupled with his cold indifference to the distraught young girl as well as Miss Imogen, made her question whether or not she wanted to work that closely with him. Maybe this reception job wasn't a good fit for her. Maybe it would be for the best for their marriage if she focused more on the house and tried to keep up with the garden. Maybe she could find someone to replace her at the clinic. She tried to convince herself that this change was for the sake of their relationship and not because she was growing increasingly uneasy around him. Adam was working late. Lilith used this as an opportunity to go into town and post a job listing on the large bulletin board outside of City Hall. The listing read, Wanted, a receptionist for the local town clinic. Availability Monday through Friday. Polite and amiable nature is a must. Lilith was hopeful. Everyone read the town bulletin board. As she pinned the notice, she realized that she forgot to post the phone number to call. She searched her purse for a pen, and while she was digging, she heard two familiar voices on the other side of the board. They belonged to two of Adam's past maternity patients. She was about to walk over to greet them, but she stopped herself when she overheard their conversation. This may be my last baby for a while. The first woman, Miss Duffy, said. I'm having trouble recovering from the delivery. What do you mean? The second woman, Miss Bethany, asked. I don't think that doctor stitched me up right. Miss Duffy's voice was hesitant and low, but not low enough to escape Lilith's less than passive hearing. I heard him say something about a, um, a husband stitch. I thought he was joking, but... I've been in terrible pain for about two months now, as if I've just given birth yesterday. Lilith could not believe her ears. Adam would not knowingly hurt one of his patients, would he? I'm glad you said something, said Miss Bethany. I haven't felt right since my youngest. I don't think that doctor has any idea what he's doing. I'm trying to convince my cousin Bianca to go to that old midwife in the woods to have her baby but she's so adamant about doing it here in town. That's a good idea. If I ever have another, 
I'm going to go to the midwife. She may be a crotchety thing, but at least all the babies and mamas she tends to are healthy. Mm-hmm. You know what worries me? What's going to happen to that doctor's wife when the time comes for her to have a baby? Lilith did not hear Miss Duffy's response. By then, she had found her pen and was hurriedly scribbling the phone number on the listing. She scurried away before the women could see her. Her feet carried her home, but she had no memory of walking. Her thoughts were filled with the words of Adam's disgruntled patients. Were they just that? Disgruntled? Surely he could not make every patient happy, and some people were just more inclined to not trust doctors. But still, she could not get the phrase, husband stitch, out of her head. Adam wasn't home yet, so she started supper to calm her nerves. Adam never seemed too happy with her cooking, so she was trying a new recipe for the night. She wanted to make a dish using the herbs and vegetables from his garden. He would have to like a meal that he had a hand in creating, Lilith thought to herself. She walked out to the patio and down the stone steps to pick some tomatoes and a handful of basil. She walked back to the house and began cooking, hoping to try to get her mind off of the conversation she had overheard earlier. A couple minutes after she finished cooking, she heard the back door slam. Adam entered the kitchen, his work clothes dirt-encrusted and disheveled. He was wild-eyed and breathing hard. Lilith lamented the fact that he tracked mud into the kitchen. When Lilith asked him where he had been, he said he had been in the garden the whole evening. When she said that she hadn't seen him in the garden earlier, he said that she must not have been paying attention. He sat down for dinner, and Lilith tried not to notice that he grimaced with every bite he took. She sat across from him, drinking her tea. And as she finished her cup, she noticed the tea leaves formed a crescent moon at the bottom. Her mother had told her that that represented a change in plans. She figured the symbol was appropriate enough for what she was about to tell her husband, but the sight of it still made her uneasy. She mentioned that she put up an ad for her replacement. She said that she wanted to focus on the house and the garden. She was momentarily worried that he would be disappointed, but her fears were eased as a smile spread across his face. He got up from his chair, crossed over to her, and gathered her up in a big hug. He spun her around, saying that this was wonderful news. He sat her down and knelt in front of her. He held her hands in his and said something that knocked the wind out of her. If you start staying at home, maybe we can start trying for a family. Lilith's eyes widened in fear, and the words caught in her throat. The words, husband stitch, played on repeat in her head. She managed to force a smile, and that was enough for Adam to gather her up in another hug. That night, after several restless hours, Lilith managed to sleep, though not restfully. Her rest was tormented by dreams of a large owl chasing her. She dreamt that she ran barefoot through a dark forest, unable to see past a few feet in front of her. The owl's loud screech was enough to wake her up in a cold sweat. She sat up in bed, trying to steady her heartbeat, worried that somehow the rhythmic thumping would wake Adam. She turned to see him fast asleep with his back to her. Realizing that a peaceful sleep would not come for her, she carefully climbed out of bed and tiptoed down the stairs into the hallway closet. 
After finding her green coat and boots, she made her way out to the garden. The waning crescent moon shed just a sliver of light on the vegetables and flowers, but that sliver was enough for Lilith to survey the yard. She walked along the stone walkway, feeling as though the plants were staring at her, judging her. She judged them right back, finding none of them to be freshly pruned or particularly pampered. She saw no patch of earth that had been recently disturbed. It was becoming harder and harder to believe that Adam had been out there all evening. As she thought this, she happened across boot prints at the end of the walkway, but they were not pointed towards the house. Instead, they led out into the thick forest behind their house. Adam had not been in the garden that night, but he had certainly been somewhere. Lilith was not sure what possessed her to follow the footsteps. Her feet moved on their own as if gliding. She had never walked through the dense forest that surrounded her town. Not many people had. As children, the townsfolk would joke in silly sing-song voices as they played at the edge of the woods. Here there be shadow people, here there be shadow people. As those same children got older, they would no longer play at the edge. Instead, they would keep a wide berth and eye the trees suspiciously. Their sing-song voices were gone. Now older, cynical voices reprised the words, Here there be shadow people. Lilith had been walking for several minutes and had seen many shadows, but no shadow people. Yet, anyways. But the night was young, and the forest was beginning to open to a clearing. Lilith was not sure what she would find. Her footsteps grew quieter, and her movements were slower as she stepped through a gap between two large oak trees. She had entered the clearing and was treated to the sight of a four-story manor, which should have been too big for a meadow like this, but somehow seemed to fit perfectly. The manor was painted green, a green that seemed to be a shade between emerald and forest. The roof was a burnt orange color, and the door was a rich purple. This type of color scheme would be considered gauche back in town, but Lilith just thought it looked delightful. The vibrant colors were not the only thing that caught Lilith's eye. Surrounding the manor was a garden the likes of which Lilith thought only existed in fairy tales. Sunflowers that were as tall as she was, hydrangeas that were a shade of purple she had never seen before wisteria crawling up the side of the house even though it wasn't the season for it. The scent of 100 herbs filled her nostrils. There were plants that Lilith recognized from Adam's garden and some she had never seen before. This garden made Adam's look like an overgrown patch of dirt. Lilith was so lost in its beauty, overwhelmed by the earthy aromas and the sight of the biggest tomatoes she had ever seen in her life that she didn't notice the purple door open ever so slowly. She didn't notice the mean-looking woman at its threshold, and she certainly did not notice the crossbow that was trained on her.
Cotty Womble with the Shadow People was created by Shay Lee and edited by Jonathan Strickland. Special thanks to Lucas Ryan and Jenny Milan. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. <laughs>